and welcome to episode 203 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined by the whole gang again this week. We're all finally back together, Ryan and Paul here. How have you guys been doing this weekend? We're kind of wrapping up the last couple of weeks of summer here. Mm-hmm. And I, I spent it doing what I, I love doing, watching fish. Well, and brewers. Brewers and fish. Yeah. So yeah. I was enjoying that. I was just trying to stay out of the 90-degree summer heat. I'll be glad when this is over. I'm sick of it. <laughs> yeah, it is getting bring old on, now. Bring on the fall. Bring on the fall. All the pumpkin-flavored crap and all that stuff. Yeah, pumpkin if, stuff if all came thing. out this week. It was the unofficial kickoff of pumpkin pie flavor. Oktoberfest beers are out in stores yep. now. You know, it, it's getting to be fall season, right? Pumpkin <laughs> crap is exactly that. It's crap. The pumpkin-flavored stuff I'm I not dislike. Of that. Strongly dislike. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm more apples than pumpkin. It doesn't need to yeah. be ubiquitous. Like it's fine as a novelty in small doses, but it shouldn't dominate a whole season of flavorings. And um it's very hard to do well in a beer. It just uh it, it ruins almost every beer it touches. So uh, don't do that. Just make a nice dark darkish beer for the the autumn. That's all you need. Well Marzen style is right there, yeah, right? Like exactly. It's it's already there for a, you. An Oktoberfest beer. Just do yeah. that. It already exists. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you don't need to uh, throw the pumpkin and everything that's kind of my my uh objection to the fall but i i'm definitely looking forward to you know those crisper mornings and, yeah. and yeah i'm I'm done with the humidity you know if if, if it, i can handle heat but the humidity no and mm. you know i'm i'm glad fall is here people, so, yeah. people walking around talking about psl season and i hear it as personal seat license and i respond to <laughs> respond to it the same either way because they're both terrible so. they're both terrible and evil <laughs> there you go <laughs> All right. Uh, well, before we get going, uh, you know, we're coming into the last uh, month of the brewery season here, so we're going to preview that. But a reminder first, you can always help support us and the podcast by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. You know, show your appreciation, throw a few bucks our way and help us keep doing this. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the podcast. Five bucks a month, you get the extra content as well. You get that minor league extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson. They had a new episode out this last week. You also get uh, Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods. Now that uh, preseason's done, Packers season right around the corner. So uh, I'll be one this week. Previewing the Saints and Jameis Winston, who won out, won the job over Taysom Hill, who sucks and never should have been a quarterback in the first place. So, uh, <laughs> and the Saints don't have any wide receivers, so you know. Yep, uh, the Saints great. are they're really a true mess. I mean, if anybody ever tells you that the salary cap in the NFL is fake, that's just where you got a point. Uh, they are a complete disaster financially. Michael Thomas is not wanting to be there. It's bad. Packers should roll, but then again, stranger <laughs> things have happened. Yeah, and you you know you're coming off that preseason where we didn't see anything from first or second stringers really, so you have no idea what's going to happen. So that'll be just interesting to see. Yes, so the, the worst preseason I think in the history of of preseason football, and just just awful. It's it's really going to put your uh, preview podcast skills to the test here, Paul, because <laughs> you know you usually nail those predictions, and uh, I don't know you, you're not working off much now. So well, I have I have a secret, which is that I've never liked watching preseason games, and most of the time have never done it except when forced to for writing purposes. I was going to say, yeah. should that be a secret? Like I think that just makes you a mentally healthy human being. Well, <laughs> a lot of people derive a, like yeah. If you have been following camp reports. Uh, he didn't play in prison at Marquez Valdez Scanting is apparently like the greatest thing on earth now. And I will wager anybody they want a ton of money that he's exactly the same as last year and <laughs> still drops a lot of passes and catches a lot of passes deep. And that's just what he is. So um, I've seen a lot of, will he get a thousand yards? Will he? No, he, he won't get a thousand yards. Just stop that silliness. If you add in pass interference penalty yards, then he might get a thousand yards, but that's, that's <laughs> the only way. That's how that's happening. So looking back at the minor league extra from this week, I did want to point out that uh, James did throw a couple of new names out there for people to get excited about. I'm not going to spoil that here on the podcast, but there are some good some good information, like some new names, people to pay attention to within the system that uh, James is pretty high on. So I would strongly recommend uh, ponying up and, and getting that to listen to because if you're in like a dynasty league and you're still for some reason able to like pick up minor leaguers there might be a, a, a move or two to make there so 
and even if you're not, you know, it's it's good to kind of find those under the radar guys to kind of keep an eye on as we head into next year too. So mm-hmm. definitely check that out as well. All right, I I guess uh, we'll leave the Packers talk to reporting as eligible because yeah, I know yeah. some people get kind of uh, irritated when we when we spend five minutes talking Packers. So uh, you know, kind of an up and down mess sort of week for the Brewers, right? They took two out of three from the Reds, but it wasn't always pretty but you know got the job done they didn't uh the last thing that they needed to do was get swept and they kind of kept the reds out of that uh race there we can talk about that in a minute but uh first thing i wanted to get to was the weekend series against the twins where they lost two or three and the twins are bad it's just the third series that they've lost since the all-star break so i think maybe let's not panic too much quite yet but it was just kind of a frustrating weekend all around we saw tons of people get thrown out uh the umpiring was pure trash we had pat murphy get thrown out before a game even started uh yeah exactly so i think overall i think the final count was what three ejections over the weekend and they previously only had like 11 all year so it was just kind of a weekend where they got totally fed up so um ryan i know how much you love talking about officiating and professional sports so here's your (laughs) chance to just go off on the state of mlb umpiring because i feel like especially lately there's been a lot of attention drawn to this and it's just bad all around but your thoughts on this weekend series too yeah so what was it friday night with brian gorman behind the plate right yep that's yeah that's what got brian gorman was the i think really the uh the piece de resistance of the weekend in terms of strike zone so he had (laughs) the classic ump show like keith law invented that years ago and i think people take it to mean like whenever an umpire makes a mistake that's not what an ump show is an ump show is when an umpire just decides that he's more important than the game he's officiating and that his agenda needs to be heard for some reason and that's exactly (laughs) what happened with gorman after he tossed avi for arguing which was an awful call and the umpire scorecard had it listed as such as an absolutely awful call it was a a curveball that dropped in still well above the zone and he called him not only did he 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 called a strike but that rung him up so avi was done and he was understandably frustrated <laughs> gets run and then in the next inning when lorenzo kane leads off the ninth inning he gets faced with a pitch uh early on in the in the plate appearance that is high and outside clearly not in the strike zone like nobody no umpire calls this a strike because sometimes yeah yeah, sometimes you'll see those (laughs) pitches like off the outside edge but in kind of the middle of the zone height wise will get called but you rarely see those ones up in the corners right well this was out up well off the outside corner uh very high in the zone and he gets called for a strike and you could see Kane was like okay that's bullshit but didn't (laughs) didn't argue about it didn't say anything and then gets rung up on a pitch that was at least three inches inside and on the very bottom of the strike zone. Yep. Yeah. And that was where, like, he was clearly pissed off. And that was just Brian Gorman saying, you want to argue with me? Fuck you. I'm going to call anything I want. <laughs> and so that was very clearly an up show of sort of the worst sort. And that is the kind of stuff that it's one thing when CB Buckner is out there and just like incompetently calling a game. And we see that <laughs> right. so much. We saw it so much last year. And you could mm-hmm. just kind of like go, you always feel bad for CB. It's like, it, dude should be like doing something else. Like give, give this man, <laughs> he's so nice and the players don't hate him. Like they never list him as among the worst umpires because they don't because he's not a dick. So they don't they don't get all upset at <laughs> CB Buckner. But like it's the umpires like your Angel Hernandez's, your Joe West's, who and Brian Gorman, who apparently feel the need to like insert themselves into the game and make it all about them. And that more than anything, it just signals the need to like curtail their powers because you can't have that. That is so it was so blatant. It was so obvious what was going on there. And I assume that's what Pat Murphy was objecting to early on. I mean, I don't know. Did he have the ump scorecard print off and like hand that to the umpire with the uh, with the I'll lineup? Bet he that, did. that would have Something been fantastic. Like that. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. remember when Bill Cower did that? He like takes the the <laughs> shot from above and uh, oh man, and, the twelve men on the field. Yeah, yeah, and like 
like sticks it in the umpire's or in the uh, actually chest. resulted in replay passing the next year with the specific call out that you could review 12 men on the field. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, I think the umpire scorecard is an interesting development because it, in talking to random affiliates with the sabermetric sites over the last decade or so, um, this information has been uh, obvious to all of them for a long time. Like they've, they've everybody's known how good and bad the umpires are. It, it, they haven't wanted this necessarily tangle with baseball. On putting that out there but now with with baseball itself having institutionalized you know the the box on the screen and everybody being able to see instantly whether it's a ball or a strike to i i know that the box on the screen is unofficial but to a great degree of accuracy um you know even if it's not official official you can pick an outlier instantly there's no fooling anybody and it, it's just become a thing where you can objectively tell when an umpire is behaving badly uh, it's very strange. We usually, we don't really have that in other sports. Everything has plausible deniability, but that strike zone just doesn't anymore. So, um, and, and because baseball is so sophisticated, um, it's pretty easy to turn missed called balls and strikes into into wins and losses mathematically. Uh, so mm -hmm. we know exactly the impact they're having too. That Gorman cost the Brewers 1.6 runs in a, in a two run game um, mm -hmm. per, per the umpire scorecard and. That's way too much. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it, you know, this used to be just cranks on the radio calling in and saying strike zones were bad, but it's turned into a thing where now we can quantify it. And, uh, yep, you guys you guys were something something awful this weekend. You guys want to take a step into the conspiracy corner here? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So this isn't the conspiracy you think I'm bringing up, by the way. This is a little bit different. <laughs> All right. So the creator of Umpire Scorecards was on Effectively Wild earlier in this year. And uh, he was asked by Ben Lindbergh, have you heard from MLB about this? Like, have yeah. they have they contacted you? Have they like cease and desist? Right? Yeah. yeah. Have you gotten the cease and desist? Like, whatever. He said, no. you are going where I thought, by the way. Oh, are, yeah. am I? OK. Yeah. yeah. He they haven't gotten at least as of that recording. He hadn't heard from them at all. So they're perfectly willing to have this information out there, which to me says they are happy to have this information out there because otherwise they yep. would be doing something to try to curtail it yes, they uh, would. in advance of what they want to do, which is to bring in a robo strike zone. Not next year. It's still like, have you heard of some of the things going on down in the oh know, man in the Florida the State League? The Atlantic it, not, League, too. Yeah, yeah it's not oh, great. Man. There not was great. that article about the Atlantic League. Yeah, last that was. Week. I forget was that. That was not a good article. Was, man, it was a good article. It was, the facts but, yeah. were not good. <laughs> right. So it's coming, but it's going to take some time still. But I think MLB is perfectly happy now to start. I mean, players are seeing this stuff. There's no way they're not. You know, yep. some some pitcher who feels he got screwed over by umpires, he's got a teammate who you know is online enough to know that this exists and is showing it to him and going, yeah, hey, here's exactly how badly you got screwed over. And this will this will break down a lot of the resistance among the players. And it's not coming immediately, but it is coming. So I, I'm glad you followed my train of thought, Paul. So well, uh, <laughs> one of the things about conspiracies is they usually don't work because they're either not allowed or because somebody talks. <laughs> Think about baseball. Baseball has this thing called the antitrust exemption, which explicitly allows them to conspire, which they do <laughs> all the time. And um, they do it in this way, this specific way all the time. Whenever they're, uh, whenever labor negotiations come up, they take every opportunity to paint the players in a bad light, be it through PEDs, uh, just general dysfunction. Um, they're, they're not only not above this, but it's why they allow their stars to not be marketed properly and to have baseball players be tarnished in the media because... They they gain financial advantage in negotiations for it. They want to get rid of the umpires or surveil, sur severely curtail what the umpires do during a baseball game. And so they're going to take the same tact. They, they used to protect them to protect the sanctity of the game. That ship has sailed. We have gambling establishments opening in baseball stadiums. We do not care about the sanctity of the game anymore. <laughs> we care about kicking or out a, baseball in, networks. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is all about kicking out an incompetent <laughs> union that they don't like. And so... Yeah, they're happy to have those numbers out there because it makes the umpires look like people you can live without, which, frankly, they kind of are. And here's kind of the frightening part. If you look and take this forward, I worry about the day when they do go to an automated zone and controversy starts to kick up and they take everything and say, we're not making this information publicly available anymore. 
Oh yeah, yep, yep. That's definitely worth worrying about. <laughs> Always has been. It is purely by accident, right? That this stuff is well, not by accident. It was just like an oversight that they allowed this information to become public in the first place. They didn't think anybody would care yep, when it yeah. first came into existence, so they didn't do anything to protect it. So it just became public domain. Is that that's probably too technical a term, but it just was in the public, and so that's where it stayed. But that doesn't mean it has to stay there. They yeah, I wish I would have taken better it. notes on that. But it, something along the lines of pitch FX was invented by the people who did Fox Tracks, the the, puck, the hockey puck uh, thing. Oh yeah, uh, when when Fox had that, and so it didn't have a good reputation because that failed in hockey. Everybody made fun of it. It was very silly, and I, I so they're the ones who provided it to baseball to track the pitches. And I think it's they them that the people who made that who owned the data at first. Mm-hmm. And you know once it got they they didn't care they they could make some money by making it public or, or you know didn't care enough to keep it private so mm-hmm. they did that brooks baseball grabbed it and made it public and you know it's hard to take something back once it's out there but you can do it at some point they probably will yeah and that is the fear football's yeah. nasty on that stuff so the, the baseball can be if they want to yeah yeah i for one welcome the new robot overlords coming to a park near you in a couple of years, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, we do have a Patreon question too, about just the ump show antics and all that stuff. It comes from Brady Steinberg. He's asking, how do you think Pat Murphy spent his Saturday night knowing he was going to get ejected during the lineup card exchange? It definitely involved beer. Well, I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that for sure. Cause I don't know if Pat Murphy drinks a, he had a heart issue. So maybe he, he, uh, no, he never did or gave it up or whatever, but yeah, it, it probably involved beer. It's definitely one of those things, too, where Murph is definitely, you know, he's he's a mentor to Craig Council and that kind of thing, too, you know, going back to the college days. Yeah. And he, I'm sure he kind of just went to Craig and said, you know what? I'm just going to yell at him so you don't have to get thrown out today. Thanks. And kind of took the night off, right? Well, you, you there, the, there are worse things than a night off in Minneapolis. <laughs> you get the strike zone plot from upstairs. Like, you know, it happens in the game. You want to check it out. You have a guy, you have some clubby send it down. You have it in front of you. You're maybe having a beer, just watching TV and relaxing. You have it in front of you, you're looking at it, and it, it, you just decide, like, all right, I could use a day off, and you know, <laughs> it, it's it's going to sit there yelling at you until you do something about it. So that's uh, that's what you do. That's uh, that's how you get over the frustration of of getting jobbed out of a win, or you at know, least a tie. Yeah, it, it's late August. We could all use an extra day off or two, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> Can't blame Murph for taking that day. All right. Uh, as we mentioned before, you know, like before the the uh, frustrating weekend in the Twin Cities, the Brewers did take two out of three from the Reds, uh, kind of effectively ending that NL Central race. Right. As of Sunday night, they have an eight and a half game lead over the Reds now with only 31 games to play. As we kind of mentioned over the last couple of weeks, the important factor there is the Reds have no more head to head games against the Brewers. Uh, so that was their last and best opportunity to kind of make up ground. Yeah. Um, so I guess with that, are we, are we ready to put a bow on this division race, Paul? Or Yeah, we are. still an outside. Okay. No, I, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it certainly can happen that a team can randomly get hot and rattle off 13 games like the Yankees just did. But uh, I think we can conclude after this long sample size that the Reds just aren't very good. And th- they have an easy schedule. They have yet to take advantage of having an easy schedule. They're mm-hmm. right where they started the easy schedule. They don't get to play against the Brewers. Like if they sweep the Brewers and make up all those games all in one shot, then I think things look much more within reach. They've proven they can, you know, actually rattle some stuff off. But they're not that good. They're like just a slightly better than 500 team. They're that not going to. Bullpen is trash. It's like it's, rough. it's so bad. Yeah. So they're like making a big run would just be a, an incident of pure luck. They would need the Brewers to crash simultaneously. And I, I just don't see this team having it in them. They're they're just frankly not that kind of team. They are a medium good team and. That's uh, that's what they are at this point. It's not going to happen. Brewers got this in the bag. So earlier in the week when the Brewers got to nine and a half, I know Pakota had them at 100 percent to make the playoffs. Um, <laughs> coming into today, they were at 98 point or 99.8 percent to make the playoffs. And that was with a seven and a half game lead. And now it's an eight and a half game lead because the Reds lost two of three to the Marlins. Yep. That's yeah. not great. Not great, guys. Yep, you gotta you gotta win those games if you're gonna make up a ten game deficit. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm ready to call it too. What is yeah. what does Laravie do? Throw the dagger. 
That's very, very <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's your dagger. Yeah. Don't throw daggers. That seems dangerous. But Don't they have bars uh, for that now? Or those are axes, I guess. They're axes. There are axes. Yeah. The the insurance costs on those are understandably incredibly high. Um, but I mean, at least the Reds, like they can at least sort of fall back on that wild card spot right now, right? Like they're a game and a half up on the Padres who are just collapsing like none other. Um, I guess the thing to be mildly concerned about is the Cardinals are only three and a half games out of the wild card. Yeah. Uh, How would you be concerned about that? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, you know, devil magic. And uh, well, here's the thing is like, I still have it in my brain somehow that would it be the weirdest thing in the world for the Reds or the Cardinals to beat the Dodgers in a single game? I don't think the Dodgers will be playing in a single game. You don't? They're I think still... they're going to they're gonna pass the Giants. They're going to pass the Giants? I've been saying it all year, but I... You have been I'm, saying it all year. No, I'm just you, you have been hating the it. Giants all year. Well, I mean... Uh, this... I mean, that division lead is down to two and a half games, so it, it's possible. But, uh, yeah. I, and the Brewers may have a hand in helping determine that right in the next week. So they've got four against the Giants. So... Uh, they may have a hand in kind of helping decide that race. And obviously they close the year with the Dodgers too. So they can yep. decide whether or not how much they want to try that last week. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, no, I think you, you don't worry about that. I think you worry about the Braves becoming good. Like, I mean, that's, that's the that's thing what you worry right? about. You used to have, yeah. only, you used to have I'm, only the West be good. And now you have this other good team that made good deadline moves and is now a a threat so i had kind of said i think i had said that in twitter sometime in the last week too is like it i kind of want the brewers to go for that number one seed now right because i'd rather take the dodgers in five games and kind of mess around with atlanta who suddenly looks really good i don't am i insane i don't know i mean the dodgers are the best team in baseball they're they're the most talented top to bottom right but it's the whole thing of like you only have to beat them three times as opposed to four Right. That's kind of where my mindset is at. So I think it's I mean, just more of like there was an easy route before Atlanta, to their credit, improved their team. And now there's it's just a normal playoffs where there's just not an easy route. To do it's a crapshoot. Right. Yep. Yeah. Now all the good, good teams are good. So that's how it's supposed to be, which is fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, I guess something else that popped up in the last week I wanted to talk about uh, you know, I, I know how much Ryan likes worrying about the future. So here we go. Um, <laughs> in the last week, I think it was Will Salmon at The Athletic kind of figured out that Avi Garcia is very likely going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Now, he had that. Uh, it was originally a team option, right? But it converts into a mutual option with enough plate appearances and, you know, with 2020's stats getting prorated and the pace that he's been on so far this year, it, it's extremely likely uh, that he will hit that plate appearance threshold to force that mutual option. And with the year he's having, there's probably no chance in hell he <laughs> takes that option year and it will likely become a free agent. So uh, I guess, Paul, are we worried now that the Brewers are kind of get, getting priced out of Avi? Or uh, what do the Brewers kind of suddenly do now that this is a very distinct possibility? I mean, I think what they always do, which, first of all, it'd be much better to have him, obviously. And all things being equal, you'd rather have him not meet that option. But they need him to. Like, they're, they're a playoff team. You can't just hold them all out to avoid paying it. They'd get grievanced right. to hell. Uh, <laughs> so you can't do that either. So here's what they'll do. They'll do what they always do. He will elect to become a free agent to make cash. Good on him for doing so. They will take a look at the markets. And if he fits into coming back financially, they'll bring him back. But he probably won't. He will probably make a lot of money somewhere else, like a lot of former Brewer free agents do. And he's probably gone, which is too bad because he's had a very good season, especially with the bats. And it's not easy to replace him cheaply, So, uh, which is what the Brewers do. Uh, so, so he's probably gone. And there's not really much you can say about that unless the market for him goes south a little bit. So uh, bummer. But you know what? Um, this is why they're a good team, because a bunch of their good players are having good seasons and um, you know, when players have good seasons, they get rewarded for it. So, you know, that's life. Yeah, I'm not 100% sold that he is actually going to opt out because... Really? The, well, <laughs> that's that middle market has been so soft. It is, it is the spot where guys do not get the money that they used to. Like, he sure. is basically the prototypical player who... 
a generation ago, back in you know the the mid aughts, that guy would have gotten a big like four year contract for like fifty million dollars, and there's a good chance it wouldn't have worked out all that great for the team that signed him to it and all of that. So I don't know. I mean, I I think it's likely he opts out. Okay, I I think I think there's a good chance, but I'm not gonna say it's a hundred percent just because of the weirdness of the way the market is and looking at who's available in the outfield. I mean, it's not a great market. I feel like he'd probably be the third or fourth best option. So I guess that kind of speaks to your mid market level, right? I mean, yeah, there's Essayanos is going to opt out. He's going to make a ton of money. I mean, I tell you, I'd like to get a hold of Michael Conforto. That really looks interesting to me. Because I think that he has a lot of untapped potential from stuff that I, the Mets of it all, basically, <laughs> uh, where I'd like to see him possibly come in. I'm assuming Castellanos is a team option or can he opt out? Oh, I'm not he, even... he can opt out. Heyman reported in this last week. He can opt out. Okay. That was so, another one of those yeah, things. He that can opt out. Interesting. So. so he can opt out. Mark Canaha is on there. Um, I saw some love for Mark Hanha as the next Brewers right fielder. Mm-hmm. It seems like a very Brewers-y <laughs> signing. Sure does. And like Jock Peterson will be back on the free agent market. Tommy, oh, yeah, Tommy Pham is out there. Eddie Rosario is out there. Jorge Soler is a free agent after this year. Chris Taylor. I mean, there's guys out there. So maybe this isn't the slam dunk that... Oh, Starling Marte is out there. Like, it's it's maybe not the slam dunk. Yeah, you add in the the labor concerns too, and we don't know just how much anybody's going to be willing to pay this winter before they know what the next, you know, uh, the rules you're operating under are. You know, so it because that's the thing. If he can get his his thing locked in before the the year ends, which I believe is how that would work, like it would be in early November, and the the labor deal runs out on like December second, and that's when the owners will lock out. So. I'm not a hundred percent sold <laughs> like that. He's actually going to opt out. So let's just, let's keep an eye on that and see. Right. It's it's a weird situation. Would you offer him a multi-year extension? Do you believe in him that much? Or are you kind of like, eh, if he goes, he goes. I would probably let him go. <laughs> I mean, there's other guys out there that like I'm legitimately interested in. I don't think I want like Tommy Pham coming in, but the fact that he's on the market to go someplace else so was like, the question would you give him a free agent deal or would you exercise the option uh free agent deal so like okay. offer him a multi-year extension to okay, okay. avoid free agency basically um I, I would if it was short enough I, I would i would do him for like three years he's still really fast um I, I still think he's got some decline in him before he falls off a cliff i think he plays really well in the park um can can go both sides i like the gun out there and rights so i i would actually do that i think even a down season in miller park is going to be pretty valuable from him the thing i wonder about with him is the on-base percentage because yeah, he right. doesn't really take walks and how well, well that fits with what the brewers want i'm not fair sure. but 342 is not not too shabby this year i know it, it honestly his on-base percentage compared to his batting average, isn't too bad. He's okay. I can live with this. So many other brewers are so much worse at this. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Plus, they helped him tap into some of that power, too. You know, like, for yeah. a long time, he's always been, like, the raw power, but not game power guy. Like, right? in, in, the, in, the short, yeah, in the short season last year, he hit 238 and had a 333 on base percentage. <laughs> uh, and uh, he's been... point split? That's decent. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah, that's very decent. In the last four seasons, he's had actually... I would say quite good on base percentages compared to his batting averages. Not always great uh, in in the raw. Like he, in 2018, it was only 281, but he only had 236. So um, it's uh, he he takes enough walks. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I think the other factor to consider too is: Do you think maybe just the Brewers are thinking, okay, we've got Tyrone Taylor to slide into that spot, so no worries if he does opt out. I mean, do you believe in? I know Paul, you hate Tyrone Taylor, so <laughs> you know, you know my answer to that question. But so. but Ryan, do you think that's a possibility too that they're considering that we we could just slide Taylor in there and no harm done? I think he's a factor. I don't think they're planning on having him be. I don't think they look at him and say he's our Avi replacement because he hasn't shown nearly that 
level uh, at this point. And frankly, sure. he doesn't really have the track record to suggest that you'd be like, yeah, we could see him turning into Avi Garcia. Like the power just doesn't seem likely to be there, does it? No. So probably not. But I mean, he is a factor in the depth. I think he definitely is in their plans as far as depth goes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're also in a spot, too, where you're basically killing a year or a year and a half until like Garrett Mitchell gets up. Right. Like that's the ideal. We hope, but yes. You hope, right? Yeah, exactly. It is the so, ideal. Uh, yeah, Mitchell's been not great. And actually, James talked about that quite a bit on the Minor League Extra this week. We had a in-depth conversation about that, that he has struggled pretty mightily at AA since being promoted. So also a thing to keep an eye on. Sure. I mean, that's always the big test for the top prospects. It is. So there you go. All right. Uh Let's get to some Patreon questions. Uh, we got one from Jay Google, of course. Sorry, uh, JR, I didn't give him the Helen Thomas question. We had the other one from Brady, but number two <laughs> is not that bad. Uh, Jay is asking, you know, we're heading into September this week. So who are you guys expecting to be called up on the first? I know, Ryan, you and I kind of talked about this topic a little bit last week. Paul, you weren't here. So I guess who are some of the names you're looking for? Uh, I don't like just all they're going to do is solidify the bullpen with all the guys they've been moving in and out all season. And that's, that's really just what it comes down to. It, it just to, to, to shore things up there. So like, I, I'll, yeah. Like is Miguel Sanchez up right now? I think he's in the minors, right? He'll probably be back. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, hard to keep track of exactly so who's many. Up and who <laughs> right. isn't. Keep getting Alec Benger probably have another cup of coffee. Um, yeah. Where's uh, Hobie Milner at these days? Hobie like, Milner, yeah. He's up, right? He'll just stay up. That's that's where he'll be. So that's what you're looking at there. Um, and it'll just be their depth plays that you've seen all season. They could shuttle back and forth when when things go wrong or they have injuries. So now I don't, there's no like there's no big star waiting in the wings. There's no Keston here a call up that's going to happen here. All you know they they have enough power up already in the majors and it's just depth pieces to make sure that they can get through the rest of the season. That's all. Guys, you know who aren't good. I mean, yeah, with another week, Ryan, to to think about this stuff, do you think, you know, we saw Ashby start on Sunday, turn it in another pretty solid outing. Is it safe to assume he's just on the roster going forward through September now? Um, I mean, if they get into some sort of a, an issue where they have to rotate three guys, he would be one of the people you would send down because he's been down already and you can sure. just rotate through him. So if, if they get into yeah. a crunch for some reason where they just need, like, arms – I could see him, but I think he's pretty solid. And if he did go down, he'd be back pretty, pretty quickly. So I think like Justin Topa is in the minor leagues right now yep. because he had the bad. He had struggled when woof. he came back. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like we will probably see Justin Topa again. And, it, you know, it's just they'll rotate through those guys. Mm-hmm. Could see Vogelbach activated, too. You know, if well, they need another bat. He had no. a setback, correct? Yeah, he's another on the setback. he's on the sixty, is yeah. he not? He he was, but there was some speculation that that was kind of just a paper move for a couple of weeks to open up uh, a forty man spot. I believe but, there was a setback, but there's yeah, he's he's had a rough go of it. To, well, I don't know if you want to get conspiracy corner, maybe he keeps suffering setbacks so they don't have to DFA him. But <laughs> there's that too. Um, yeah, so I know. Uh, a lot of the names that we had kind of talked about last week too, you know, we had mentioned Ashby and a lot of just the bullpen arms. Um, Ethan small started pitching again, so that's nice. Hey, but, that's um, but yeah, it seems unlikely that he'd be a September call up, you know, at least in this era of just a couple extra arms, but you know, we've got another question uh, coming up later again, dealing with how, how the birds are going to tackle September. So maybe it, that kind of factors into the guys that they choose to, um, Actually, let's just get to that one right now. So Jeremy Nachman asking a question. And this is another one, Ryan, that you and I kind of maybe touched on or danced around last week. But Jeremy is asking, it seems like the Brewers are entering September unlike any other in franchise history. Playoff positioning is all but sewn up. No Craig Timber necessary, <laughs> uh, which I'm a I'm kind of bummed about because those are always fun. He's not sure what to expect. Jeremy's going to guess uh, more off days for position players, but not too many. I know we saw like Willie Adamas had kind of a mild quad thing, but they held him out and, you know, just because they didn't need him. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jeremy's also saying maybe more defensive replacements after the fifth or sixth inning. Maybe a six man rotation goes to six man plus bullpen days. Do you back end starters? Uh, sorry. Do back end starters do any more prep to move up a bullpen role for the playoffs? What do you guys 
think. So, Ryan, I know we kind of touched on some of these, but, Paul, you were gone. So, yeah. I, I guess, how would you tackle this September with a playoff so, spot all but assured? I think the main difference between this Craig Timber and other Craig Timbers is they've always needed to rattle off, like, 27 wins in 30 days in Craig Timber. <laughs> and, they, and they don't. And since they don't, they will do exactly that. They will give guys rest and position themselves. And I do think give their starters extra time off, have short leashes on them, throw an extra day of rest in there once in a while. And because they do it, they will probably lose more games than they do in a normal Craig Temper, which is fine um, because that's not the point anymore. So, and that's how I would handle it as well. Just be extra smart about this. You know, don't jeopardize what got you here and what will make you uh, a true threat once the playoffs actually start. Like you can't afford to lose uh, Burns Woodruff or Peralta. Like you just can't stress them at all. You need them for the playoffs. That's that is your your tickets to the World Series. If you have all three of those guys going. You know, you can't do anything stupid with Hater, which they, I mean, they, they honestly never do anything stupid with Hater these days. It's it's always a pretty tight leash on him. But, you know, uh, and, and you don't want to, position players are at less risk of getting hurt because of wear and tear. That's much more of a, you know, soft tissue weirdness thing that happens. But they're not going to, if anybody's feeling bad that day, they're not going to stick him out there. If there's any tweak or little thing that goes wrong, like it, Willie Damas, that you're out immediately. You get a rest, it's fine. And so that's exactly what will happen. They'll probably lose more than you would like, but they'll make the playoffs in good position and be ready to roll whatever hits them. Yep. All of that. I think that it, the William Adamas thing is a perfect example of this. They were super cautious with him, gave him a ton of rest. I think today he DH, didn't he? So he even got like a day for not being in the field. Like they will be as cautious as they possibly can be. I did say before that series that if they swept the Reds, I would very much like to see them just, you know, I, I think that would be a time for Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns to come down with some arm fatigue and shut them down for a couple weeks and then start ramping them back up once they come off the IL. I don't know that they're going to do that. I think that given this series in San Francisco, and it's still theoretically possible they could get blown out of the, or that they could that they could end up back into some sort of a race here like a four game sweep at the hands of San Francisco who is really playing for something obviously like San Francisco needs these games a lot more than the Brewers do so I don't think they're going to do that I don't think they're going to just shut guys down unless something comes up and then they'll just be like oh yeah okay perfect we're just gonna let you rest with, now. with roster expansion you, you can also just throw a triple a guy out there as fodder if you need to save everybody without mm -hmm. putting people on the aisle so well, the one thing they do need to be somewhat careful of is the 40-man roster situation and like the reason you won't see ethan small get called up this september is because that would mean putting him on the 40-man yep he's not on the 40-man he doesn't need to go on the 40-man this winter he he's not eligible to have to go on it so they would much rather keep him off the 40 man through the winter when they're doing all their you know, general roster machinations that they do, <laughs> uh, because as soon as they put him on the 40 man, he has to stay there. Right. So then you're you're stuck and it locks up a spot. And given that he really hasn't been pitching much in the second half at all. And yeah. there's the yeah, there's no chance of that happening. So. I think that ultimately one thing I would look for and we've talked about this a bunch of times before, going way back now, actually. But don't be surprised if we start to see down the stretch, like not right now, but maybe in a couple weeks, uh, Josh Hader and Devin Williams stretched out to maybe go multiple innings. Just to see what that looks like, how they handle it, and then they would, of course, be given the requisite rest afterwards and, and all of that. But I think they might like to at least see what those guys could do in multiple innings to see if it's a viable strategy for the postseason, if that's something that they want to explore and do. Now, if they don't do that, I'm not going to be shocked, but I think there's a good chance we see it. And if they're going to do it in the postseason, you can bet your life that they'll test it out late in September first. They won't just go in and say, oh, yeah, by the way, Josh, you're throwing two innings tonight because he hasn't done it all year. So they will test it out ahead of time if they plan on doing it. So we'll see. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Next Patreon question comes from Adam Post. Another bullpen arm in discussion here. He says, I only recently saw Jake Cousins pitch for the first time and noticed the interesting leg movement he makes while going into his set position. What are the odds, I guess, speaking of um shows, that an umpire that likes to star <laughs> like a certain Joe West calls him for a buck? Uh, Ryan, 
your thoughts on on Cousins' motion there, and is it technically a balk? I'm terrible for this, and I, honestly, I think everybody's terrible for this because the balk is like the most wonky rule, and like there it's are so a few things, right? There like, are some that we definitely know, like when a guy drops a baseball with his <laughs> foot on the rubber. Okay, we all know that's a balk. Like there's there's those things that are. Uh, but then you get into these subjective things of did a guy come to a complete stop? <laughs> and like you're, we're we're judging rolling stops here. Like this is not traffic cop time. Like that that stuff is very stupid. And then you really get into the weird things where like people talk about Andy Pettit's move. Remember that thing? And they're like, oh, yeah. yeah, his move was a balk. Like, but because he oh, was yeah, on the his Yankees, pick, his pickup move. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody yeah, exactly. nobody ever called him for it, so he got away with it for his entire career. <laughs> so. I I don't know. Uh, I would be surprised. Uh, Balkan Bob or Balkan Bob Davidson is no longer uh, <laughs> with us on the uh, uh, the major. Well, I think he's still alive, but he's no I was longer an say on the earth or in the major. <laughs> I don't know. He seems like a guy who would just like die the minute after he retires, just because he's uh, his his entire sorry, reason Bob. for living yeah. like just went away, and he's just like I can't enforce my my unhappiness onto baseball players anymore. So I'm just done i'm cashing it out oh my god yeah is that libelous paul nah you're fine <laughs> uh buck and bob still alive and kicking by the way <laughs> 69 years old it is uh literally on his wikipedia page uh buck and bob and buck a day bob for his tendency <laughs> to liberally invoke baseball's buck rule so i like the go. fact that he always looked like he hadn't shaved in like four days Oh, yeah. <laughs> he never had a beard, but it was always like four days worth of stubble. <laughs> he was a pioneer. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, our next uh, Patreon question comes from Brad Westness. He's asking, will the Brewers extend Lorenzo Kane, or is this his final year as a Brewer? Uh, so we should mention that Kane is under contract for next year, correct? Yep. Uh, but, you know... I guess maybe we can spin this a certain way. He obviously he's been struggling to hit, you know, he gets hurt a lot, as Paul likes to say, and the defense still excellent. But I guess, is there a possibility that this is his last full year? Could he get like DFA'd or cut loose before the contract is over? I guess, how do you see the end of the Lorenzo Kane era going, Paul? Uh, I don't think uh, if they if they ever move on from him next year and the last year of that deal, It'll probably be as just a, a trade if he happens to kick his value up as a fourth outfielder for somebody for a cup of coffee and they're selling. Don't think that'll happen, though. The uh, thing about Lorenzo Cain is even if he's not hitting, um, he he is still not completely invaluable because he is. That's not a word. That means valuable. It's like flammable <laughs> and inflammable. Uh, he still offers value because his defense is good. He can be a fourth outfielder. He can be a right-handed bat of some note. Um, and he is by all accounts, a good clubhouse presence. So he's not a guy you look to move on from just to move on from. Now, they, this is the Brewers we're talking about. They owe him they owe him money. And so if they can give him to someone else just to get money off the books, they'd probably do it. But it, there's not going to be a whole lot of takers for Lorenzo Cain unless he actually starts playing more and contributing more and hitting the ball again. So <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those things where... They're probably stuck with him, but he's not a bad guy to be stuck with. And I'm guessing he finishes his contract out with the team. Um, that's that's how I would see this likely happening. Yeah, I think that's 100 percent. Now, in an alternate reality where we're, we're a few years down the road and maybe there are now uh, there's now a salary floor. This would be the kind of contract that teams that are rebuilding would trade for because they're just trying to get above the the number Pittsburgh like pirate Lorenzo Kane. Yeah, your 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 Baltimore's yeah, Oriole and whatnot. Like those would be yep. the teams that would grab something like this, but that isn't the world we live in yet, so guess nope. not. Um but yeah, no, it, you don't look to trade him uh unless somebody really comes at you and, and wants it. But there's also just the thing of you don't want to get too into that. I don't know what kind of no trade protections he has. It doesn't look like anything significant. I'm just peeking at it. It doesn't seem to be. But there's also just a teams in the Brewers position don't want to piss off players uh, right. like Kane yeah. because Very true. then it gets hard to sign the next one. Mm-hmm. So you want to be careful how you deal in, with guys in these situations because you you don't want to like 
keep guys from wanting to come to you because you get a reputation for screwing over players at the end of their deals. So, yeah, I think we're going to see him with the Brewers next year unless something really bizarre happens and, you know, who knows, maybe he decides he wants to retire. Uh, it would be a surprise because who leaves $18 million on the table? But I, mean, I guess guys do. <laughs> I mean, he did opt out last year to spend more time with the kids, right? Yep. So, I, he I mean, he he's he does seem like he's got priorities in order, but also he was kind of itching to get back to it this year. So, I, yeah, I, I think we do see him kind of end that contract. And it's not that amount of money. You know, it is significant, but it's not going to prevent the Brewers from doing what they need to do to be competitive either. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about that. All right. Uh, we got a Twitter question before we go for this week. A reminder, you can also send us questions on Twitter. Our account there is at MKE tailgate. Follow the rest of us too. Ryan's at RD top. Paul is at Badger Noonan. I'm at James L that's James with a Y in the middle because I am a part of the Lance Nix family, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, our Twitter question comes from Mark Podscarby. I guess speaking of the playoffs and kind of getting that all lined up, Mark's asking between Anderson, Lauer, Hauser, and Ashby, who would you have the fourth starter be in the playoffs, and what do you do with the other three guys not in the rotation? Ryan, your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the answer to this, if the season ended today, there's zero question it would be Eric Lauer. Um, <laughs> just absolutely zero question. It would be Eric Lauer. I don't know why you're laughing at that, Paul, but I'll I'll, I'll make the case in just a minute here. So, right. uh, last nine games, he has a uh, five eighty four OPS against a two twenty three ERA. Uh, has struck out uh, forty one and in forty four innings, seventeen walks. He has been really every bit as good as anybody else in that rotation over that time. Maybe not the big K numbers that you associate with other guys, but he can turn over the lineup a few times. And frankly, what you're looking for in the fourth starter is a guy that can just like get through a lineup twice. And then you're going to be going to the bullpen anyway. Four innings, right? That's all you're really asking. Yeah. for. If you can get through five, (laughs) like great. If, If it works out that way, fantastic. But as it stands right now, like looking at what he's done, this is June 27th through August 27th. Um, yeah, nine games, 44 innings, 223 ERA, 584 OPS against. He's been really, really good. So now this could change over the next month. Things change. But <laughs> as it stands right now, it would be Eric Lauer. Paul, your thoughts? Um, so it uh, Eric Lauer has been quite good, but... It, it also does depend quite heavily on the type of lineup they're going to be facing. And I was going to say, right? That's like, available here because um, all, of all, all of those guys have some, with one exception, have some issues with platoon splits. Uh, first of all, by the way, Brett Anderson is not the answer under any circumstances. <laughs> so let's, not, let's just go on the other end. No, nobody's picking you and go, go away. Um, but um, Sorry, Brett. You're nice on Twitter, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hauser has also been quite excellent this year, has one of the, the 20 most dangerous pitches in baseball this year uh, with his sinker, and as always, is a righty-destroying nightmare if they happen to play a team that is very righty-heavy. Um, I actually don't know that there are any of those in the playoffs that there might not be. You don't want to stick them out there against the lineup of lefties, and that's when you get them out there. But if that does happen to pop up, that is, that is Hauser time. That is when you do bust him out. Um, and I don't think you want to rule out Ashby at this point um, just because, yeah, small sample size, hasn't pitched a ton in the big leagues yet, but he's been pretty good when he has. And if you get a few more starts out of him and he looks like he might be something special, um, you, you might either start him or at least pair him up in that fourth game as the second starter with somebody else. So um, there, there, there may be something there. Okay, that's fair. I do think mm-hmm. Hauser gets used because that was part of the question too, right? Is how will the other yeah. guys get used? I think yeah. Hauser gets used as a rookie. I yeah, think he definitely. comes in I mean. and gets four <laughs> or five outs at a time when you'd have either a run of right handers or a run of right handers broken up by a lefty that doesn't really have power. <laughs> so you're not mm-hmm. really afraid of them. The you know. So yep. that would that would be more the thing. Though his platoon split issue is not nearly as big an issue as it was. He seems to have gotten it, better. He has gotten better. That's one of the reasons Hauser has improved this year. He has gotten better against uh, both side quite a bit. Yeah, fair enough. 
So. And you probably don't have to worry about Jesse Winker in the playoffs. So there you go. Too. <laughs> right. And I think I think Ashby also <laughs> is a guy that you're going to see more in short stints. They'll yeah. run him out there for that Corbin Burns role we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Right, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh we got to wrap things up here in a couple of minutes. Uh, before we leave, though, we want to give a shout out to our new patrons. A reminder, you become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate, either that two or five dollar level. And you get a shout out when you do sign up. And it looks like we got a couple new members to give thanks to, Ryan, who we got this week. We do. Uh, Corey Schmidt, uh, thank you very, very much for uh, joining up. And then I, I don't know what the hell this is about, but typical FC is the name of uh, <laughs> the guy. I, Paul is this, uh, seems like one of your soccer followers, right? Yeah, yeah it, it does sound like there. yeah, like I don't know, but we 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 gave up the Bundesliga uh, chat a long time ago, so yeah, I don't know. But we'll have to bring that up back for the lockout. We'll yep. we'll study up on that. But yeah. uh, thanks to you, Corey, and thanks typical FC for signing up. Uh, also, if you want to find a way to support us and, y- you know, you can't spare the couple of bucks for the Patreon, you can always just, you know, leave a rating or review for us on this podcast and help other people find us. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else you listen to the podcast. You know, hit that subscribe button while you're there. Please do leave a rating or a review. And as a reminder, Paul's bribe to all of you. If you leave a five-star review, he will read whatever you put in that comment field. And we have one to get to this week that I think Paul will have a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Tweb1216, um, for your comment, your five-star review. Um, and as, as promised, it says the following, I'm just going to make Paul say stuff. You should always pay top dollar for, uh, to running backs. They are crucial. Wins and batting average are the most important stat. I think the Bears front office is incredible. The Ricketts family are good people, and I wish they were my friends. So, again, five-star review, and you get you leave a comment. I'll read the comment regardless of what it is, as oh, I just proved. Man. So thank you, Tweb1216, for your excellent um, tw- five-star review. All right. Uh, that That's a great way to end. I can't beat that. So we're going to wrap things up here. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week here on the Walkies Table.